<laughs> I was actually wondering if you guys wanted to record a promo for Priority One's uh, episode. Yes, for Guard Frequency. Absolutely. Yeah. That is a great idea. We should record. It's it. You know, we should probably put in there that it's going to be a show about Star Citizen. Probably. Yeah, and yeah, that, uh, we, do. we don't need to do that. Well, when's it going to download? When are we releasing this thing? Oh, never. Um, let's have a look. Uh, Tuesday, 17th of December. Tuesday, 17th of December. And uh, are we going to do this, like, what, once a week? Once a week sounds good. Yeah. Hey. Jeff, you up for that? I am. Okay, all right. Okay. So are we going to, like, pretty much be the same format as Priority One? I think that's the idea, right? Uh, shameless ripoff, I think, is the words we use. Right, yeah. shameless ripoff. Okay, yeah. So, so if people like Priority One, they probably dig... You know, guard frequency. Wait, what? Yeah, Skiffy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, so th- this will hit every week the day after Priority One goes live. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We can't so. do it before. No. Sorry. No. Yeah. Okay, we should probably write this down and uh, record it, right? Yeah. Except let's try and make it sound a little bit more professional. Uh, yeah. So what we just recorded that yeah, was terrible. So I need to add my professional voice in. Yeah. If you could, like, you know, just get your game face on next time, Jeff. Uh, okay. All right. Let's uh, let's do that right now. Okay, is everybody ready? Right, let's record this in three, two, one. Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 153 of Priority One Podcast, the premiere Star Trek online podcast. Recorded Thursday, December 12th, 2013, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. What do we have this week, Elijah? Well, Tony, this week we trek out a new Star Trek game hitting iOS devices everywhere. In Stone News, Klingons deliver their answer to the Federation Avenger class with their very own Moog Battle Cruiser. The highlight of this week's episode, Star Trek Online's lead writer, Christine Kestrel Thompson, joins us to talk Season 8 and what it's like to write for the only living incarnation of our beloved franchise. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. Visit Priority One Podcast and donate what you can. A very special thanks to everyone who's already contributed and continues to do so on a regular basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. Captains, don't forget that Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. In their latest edition of In Development, L, Vinny, and Adorphus offer you holiday gift ideas for that special Trekkie in your life, and without necessarily breaking the wallet. Check out In Development only on Priority One Podcast. As a matter of fact, you can join the team at PriorityOnePodcast.com as a blogger and share your opinions, reviews, and news with our audience. Reach out to us via email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. The Priority One fleet is always recruiting. We are growing a small but tenacious in-game community, and we want you to be a part of it. Join us with an alt or with all your captains. Just shoot us an email to fleet at PriorityOnePodcast.com with your ad handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. Well, let's check out a new little Star Trek game for your pocket computer, and check it out. Jump what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. This week, CBS Interactive and Yes Gnome Games released Trexels for iOS devices. This 
funny little time waster hands you command of the USS Trexel Prize and puts you in charge of hiring the crew, building your ship's decks, and zapping angry Klingons. But, captains, fear not. These 8-bit redshirts also practice intense negotiations and run subspace scans. Now, Tony, you've had, uh, you, you downloaded this since you have an iOS device. What's been your impression of the game so far? Uh, it's, it's an adorable little Trek, little version of Trek that matches up a 24th century TNG Elkars interface with a 23rd century color palette for characters and scenery. You know, it's really great. It's all the touchscreen gadgetiness of modern pads and phones and all the foam block backdrop campiness of a 60s television show. It's a total steal at $2.99. Uh, and it's not available on Android devices yet, apparently. As a matter of fact, it's not developed for Android. Uh, the moment that this had been announced on uh, StarTrek.com, I believe, it, actually it was a retweet uh, by David, and I think Soradem also had tweeted this and put this on Facebook, and I was like, oh, how exciting. Let me go look to see if I can download this awesome-sounding little game. But alas, it is not yet developed for Android. And so I hit Twitter. I hit Twitter with a, with a, a fury. I said, please, at Star Trek Trexels, tell me that this is coming to Android soon, right? Right? To which I got a reply, that would be great in the future. It's not in development at the moment. Why? Why? Why not for Android? Although I'm very jealous of the fact that this came out for iOS and not for Android, I am very curious about the genesis of this project. This seemed to have come out of nowhere, really, this little game. I don't even remember uh, Jay Van Sitters, who works for CBS, who's in charge of Star Trek merchandising uh, and the IP, the Pope of Star Trek. I don't remember him mentioning this at the at the Vegas convention during his panel. I'm just curious to find out where this came from and, and find out what the development uh, took to create this app. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see more reviews coming from this app app hopefully of course we'll get to see it on android for us android users uh in the meantime hit up the iStore and look up trexels for 2.99 in the app store i'm sorry i was busy playing trexels i'm up to level six now <sighs> <laughs> discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about send them over to us via incoming at priority one podcast.com let's check out what happened in stow news computer status report Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. This week, we saw the release of the new Moog Battle Cruiser, a brand new ship for our Klingon warriors. That's right. In its first devlog, the Star Trek Online ship team talks about designing this new BAMF ship, having exaggerated the armor plating to emphasize the combat aspects and even offering up a new ship material, giving it a very unique feel. But enough about how it looks. How does it fly, Tony? Well, Phil Gorn Gonzalo Zaleski offers up uh, devlog number 30 to give you some of the idea of what you can expect from your Moog battlecruiser. If you liked the Avenger, then you'll love the Moog. The hull strength of 37,500. We've got the same uh, five forward weapons, three aft weapons that everyone's been waiting for. Your three device slots, same turn rate as the Avenger, 9 degrees per second. Uh, same impulse. We've got, I believe, it's the exact same uh, bridge officer layout with an ensign tactical, lieutenant commander tactical, commander engineering, and lieutenant science. And then your lieutenant universal slot. Uh, console modifications, four engineering, four tactical, and one science. Plus 10 to weapons and engines. You can equip dual cannons on the front end. The uh, innate cloaking device that comes with most Klingon ships. The Weapon System Efficiency Cruiser Command, Shield Frequency Modulation Cruiser Command, and Strategic Maneuvering Cruiser Command come standard with your cruisers, your battle cruiser systems. And you have the new Dynamic Defense Deployment System, the answer to the VATA system on the Avenger. What it will do is it will fire a single heavy warhead at a target and spawn defense pods as it heads towards that target. So the dynamic warhead will detonate in a large explosion an area of effect of 2 kilometers upon impact. Those deployed defense pods will also fire energy weapons and, after a short time, engage their enemies like standard mines. So it'll fire a beam array at 
some random target within 10 kilometers. And then if an enemy gets within 2.5 kilometers, it'll switch to mine mode. If the defense pods haven't engaged a foe as a mine after a short time, they'll select a uh, target within 10 kilometers and then head towards it just like a standard mine would. This dynamic system is going to function differently depending on which cruiser command you have active. So if you've got the weapon cruiser command active, or no command active at all, it will spawn disruptor defense pods to shoot disruptor beams and then act as a photon mine. If you're in maneuvering mode, you're going to get anti-proton beams on your defense pods, and it will act as a chroniton mine. And if you're in the shield frequency mode, then you're going to have tachyon defense pods shooting tachyon beams and tachyon mines. The fleet Moog battlecruiser flavor will also be available to those who have a tier 4 shipyard at their starbase. And you're going to get the standard 10% bump to hull strength and shields. So uh, if you're interested in uh, a little beefed up version of your Moog, uh, like I got the beefed up fleet version of the Avenger, I do like that ship. Check it out. Just get a Klingon fleet with the high enough tier starbase. So this week's community question is for our Klingon warrior brothers and sisters. What are your thoughts of the new Moog battlecruiser? Are you pleased? Is it worthy to be called a warrior's vessel? Well, let us know your thoughts and opinions in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the official Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. You know, I was having this uh, quick discussion with uh, my boy Jay Baus. I know you're listening. And, uh, you know, one thing he brought up is that it's it's kind of awkward, this, this console that deploys a device that fires something else. It's like those uh, Matryoshka dolls or whatever it is, the Russian dolls within a dolls within a doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. it's it's different per, you know, whatever you decide. I don't know. I it, I I do sort of I it's just it this is the funny line between a gameplay mechanic and a Star Trek technology. It's not clear to me why you fire a different gun when you have a different cruiser command active. We'll send uh, Christine Thompson back to the writer's room to come up with a good Treknology, Treknobabble reason for why that is. That's sort of the, uh, they, they maybe fell down on the game mechanics side of the decision rather than the Star Trek technology side of that. It's just a, you know, it's a game thing. I think that's what it, what it comes down to. All right, and uh, last but certainly not least in this week's Dev Blogs, we have the Fire Feature Project number three in Dev Blog number 31. Completing the third Spire featured project titled Omega Molecule Research will enable automated ramps on the eastern section of the Spire interior and lead to a research area featuring a large holographic Omega Molecule. The special project will be available from around 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, December 12th to around server maintenance on December 26th, whenever that occurs. Can you push a button and destroy subspace? Because I'm looking for functionality in my fleet cosmetic projects. No, unfortunately you cannot, but you will have a Borg that uh, spends an awkward amount of time in that room. All right, Captains. So we have a uh, another special topic to discuss in this episode of Priority One Podcast and Stone News. Trying to pull some nuggets of knowledge. We're from a thinking other man's game podcast. And we are. A thinking are. woman's game podcast. Don't leave anybody we out. We're thinking, we're thinking persons. So whenever it's, you know, perhaps a slower week in Star Trek Online, we'd like to pull from other sources and start a discussion. We want to get you involved, our, our friends out there, um, in the discussion. And, and so this week's topic is actually an article from MMORPG.com. It's actually a blog um, titled Player Choice and the Decline of Interdependence. And in the December 9th edition of her bi-weekly column, The Social Hub... Christina Gonzalez questions whether the shift in developers accommodating the individual player has taken away from the very essence of the MMO experience, the the interdependence amongst players. Have we discussed this on the show, like, a lot? I think we have. But in her article, Christine Gonzalez paints a really nice picture. You know, we've talked about specifically the Holy Trinity. But but she takes it a step further, which is something that I, I liked and I appreciated. She paints a picture of, of a time long since past when deciding which server you joined was a, a huge decision. You know, were your friends on the same server? Were they on a, on a PvP server where you had to be on your toes, otherwise you'd get ganked? Were they on an RP server, you know, where you needed to make sure you practiced your Klingon or Elvish, depending what game you were playing? 
And then, of course, there are the player classes. You know, we've talked about this before. Is, is there still even a need for a Holy Trinity in MMO playstyle? And why not? You know, is this because the entire MMO genre needs to cater to people like James? People that don't have the quote-unquote time to find other players to interact with and, and, and complete a mission? To quote Gonzalez's article, Many of the earlier MMOs had built-in downtime for multiple reasons. It kept people playing longer. Technological limitations. It made the world feel larger. But, for whatever reasons existed, it helped generate a sense of community that is somewhat lost in today's quote-unquote player choice-driven games. I, Gonzalez, remember time spent dedicated to crafting, during which my guildmates and I spent time socializing via chat and voice. What about you, Captains? What's your primary motivation for playing Star Trek Online? Are you the captain that, that never picked up an MMO before and only have played STO? Are you playing it only because it's Star Trek? Or are you the MMO aficionado that has been involved in every community since before Ultima Online? What is your gameplay style? Do you miss those days of having to figure out what server you'd be joining? That's our second community question. So let us know your thoughts and opinions in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or on the official Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Me personally, I do miss that time where you know you, you had to figure out, okay, what server am I going to be on? What ser- yo, yo uh, let me send a text message or call. Way back then it was actually calling a friend or, or sending a beep. Did you yo, send a postcard? Uh, I sent a postcard. You know what server are you guys on, so I can know, so I'm sure what you know what to join. I miss those days. I do. I really do. Uh, it's not just about the Holy Trinity. It's not just about whether I'm a science captain, whether I'm a, a an engineer, and, and the need or necessity to complete a mission. But I just miss a little bit of the um, that interdependence amongst players. I'm hoping that in the crafting system, our Vera has that in mind. You know, the need for players. To rely on another player to get something done. You know, I, I am a master crafter of ship shields. Uh, or I'm a master crafter of X, Y, or Z, you know? Whatever it may be. And it requires that type of community, that type of involvement where you have to sit around and wait while your buddy crafts you a new Aegis set. The updated Aegis set. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. I never played a multiplayer online game. I hated the online versions of every game I've ever played uh, until Star Trek Online. And the only reason I tried it was because it was Star Trek. Here I am years later with a podcast about multiplayer games. There's got to be a balance between letting a captain be the captain of his ship and a really awesome dude and, you know, I can do everything and go everywhere and needing other people to succeed in the things you want to do. And crafting is a great place to do it because that's optional. You don't have to craft to you know, do well in the game. But if it's something you want to do, that might be the place where you have to cooperate as a team. You, you have to choose a path to progress on in crafting, and by choosing that, you can't choose something else. In order to get your three-piece set, you may be an awesome shield crafter, but you are going to have to hook up with a buddy to get your impulse engines. You know, uh, I, I think a mechanic like that might would be a good thing because uh, it, it will help create a, a, big, a larger sense of cohesion, the need for other people in the game. I think that's good. I gotta try that. It is. You know, the the fleet starbase, um, although very you know functional, and as you progress up uh, in the tiers of the fleet and the ability to get consoles, I still don't feel that it has the same ability to pool people together. In the way that in the way that older MMOs have done in the past, it, it's it's okay. We gotta get this project done. Everybody pour your items into the fleet bank. You know, get them either get them on your own or whatnot. Oh, okay, let's there's a fleet event. Let's try to run some fleet marks together, if at all. I just you know sometimes I feel that that that, that is missing. You know that 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 old style. I don't know. I just I just reminisce of those that time of. of Oh man, what server am I going to be on? You know, what what server are you on? Okay, I got to make sure I get on that. Oh no, that server's full. What are we going to do? Ah, shucks, you know. Um, yeah, and it might, and, you know, that might be like a relic of the past too, because back then when, when you're choosing your server, you were choosing where you're going to subscribe. You know, I was going right. to chip in a monthly uh, fee for it, and my buddies are going to chip in monthly fees, and you know, we were all going to do this together as a cooperative thing, and it was going to cost us. Now with free to play, hell, we just 
you know, if we're, if we're tired of it this month, we'll go jump on to some other thing uh, and, and go do that and, and move around between games. I mean, it, may, it might be a relic of the past that's gone, but I really do think that they'll ha- they'll retain players better if uh, you encourage people, maybe through the Starbase system, to get a group of people together, and then you reward people progressively more and more for the more things they do with other people. Uh, if you have buddies that, that uh, gave you, if you can tag an item with something that was gifted to you by somebody, then it has additional value or additional powers to it. And maybe the more items you get from that guy, uh, you get extra bonuses. And then if you give things to more people, that stacks on something else you did. You know, just some sort of rewards for uh, you know, uh, building a functional unit and sticking with those guys. Maybe when you jump into an STF equipped with a weapon or a, a, a shield that the guy you're flying with gave you, you know, then you get an extra bonus for that. And, that, and that's the stuff that I think you know, might encourage the building those cohesive relationships and translating that into a, a game mechanic that uh, you know, makes the game easier, more fun, more explosions, uh, faster STF times, whatever. I remember the time when Cryptic was very Dan Stahl, I think it was, you know, was very adamant about the social zones and and certain things only being available to players on Earth Space Dock or Memory Alpha, you know, the banks, the, yeah, the yeah. exchanges. These yeah. were things Not so that much were, anymore. you know, and and the reason for that was because they what they were hoping to accomplish was the very thing that I want. But I don't think that that was the way to accomplish it. I don't. I don't think that that, you know, I'll go. Sure, I'll go to the exchange just to use the bank. But that doesn't mean that doesn't give me the the desire, the need, or the requirement to interact with another human being in the game. Whereas, right. as I've said in the past, you know, maybe a mission here or there that would require or would highly benefit teaming up with players of of a different career. Um, so that there is more interdependence. They've yielded too much to catering to the player's choice, the ability to play when they want, how they want. Yeah. And at that point, it becomes a first-person console game. You know, why call it an MMO? Check out the article. Uh, it is at uh, MMORPG.com uh, under Christine Gonzalez's uh, bi-weekly column, The Social Hub. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. I encourage you to uh, read the article. It's very interesting. She has... Uh, some excellent points and, and reminisces back to the old legacy days, like four years ago, of uh, of the MMO experience. So, um, so be sure to check that out. And we did have a patch update this week, but it largely consisted of tweaks and updates to the winter event. So, uh, go get your uh, holiday ornaments and recipes. And for heaven's sakes, somebody shut that guy up with the recipes and kissing cues posterior, please. Somebody put a sock on that guy's pie hole. Uh, but other than that, not a lot of whole, uh, not a whole lot of love for the game, other than the tweaks to the winter zone. Let's get to our interview with Christine Kestrel Thompson and talk to her about writing for season eight and sphere of influence. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization: Cisco Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Joining us this episode is Star Trek Online's lead writer, Christine Kestrel-Thompson. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Now, it's been a little while since you've been on our show, so let's take a moment to uh, reintroduce you to our listeners or introduce you to those who uh, may not be completely familiar with your role at Cryptic. So, as lead writer for Star Trek Online, what is your role day in and day out? Um, my role is mostly to do with the words and story of the game. I create characters, I work with the designers on plot lines, I work with Al Rivera and the other leads on the overall storyline of what the storyline of the game is going to be. I write the dialogue, work with our audio team to get voiceover, write microtransaction descriptions, anything like that usually crosses my desk at some point. Well, and uh, to coin a phrase, uh, how's a nice girl like you get involved in a computer-generated gent joint like this? 
Um, well, I my degree is in English literature, actually specializing in medieval, but I worked as a journalist for a long time. I was an editor and a newspaper reporter, and then I got to the point where that was no fun anymore, and I wanted to do something interesting, so all I did on my free time was read sci-fi and fantasy and comic books and play video games, so I started applying to video game companies. I was hired on by Cryptic to run their websites at first, and we got the Star Trek license, and I went to Jack Emmer, our CEO, and begged and begged and begged to get to, to help with Star Trek, and so I was just helping them out you know, as they were getting the project off the ground. And then after a while, they said, hey, do you want to move over to design and be the writer? And I said, absolutely. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> do you need your car washed? Anything vacuumed? Anything, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, tell us about writing for season eight specifically. This has been a, a huge season. Um, <laughs> and we've heard stories from, from Kate about how uh, getting Michael Dorn was, you know, a little bit in the air. And then once you got him, a lot of quick changes had to be made. Tell us a little bit about that backstory. There's times I call design almost like interpretive jazz because you're always having to move to what the situation is that day. Um, so Sphere of Influence started as a fairly small episode, and then I went on vacation, and when I got back, we had started talking to Michael Dorn and became a much bigger episode. So we adapted to that, and we started filling it in with the story of the boss. Voss Battle Zone and the Dyson Sphere and trying to connect everything. And then the contract negotiations kind of went on a little longer than we expected them to, um, which actually ended up being a good thing because it gave Kate and I some time to add some extra stuff to Sphere of Influence and make it really awesome. And then um, everything kind of fell in together at the last minute. We finish up Sphere of Influence, we pretty much get it ready to go out the door just the last little bits, and then I jump. I have to jump over and start working on the Space Adventure Zone and the Battle Zone and everything else that went into Season 8. So a lot of it was, the first thing we did we was figure out, okay, what is this Dyson Sphere and what is its story? So that was a, a series of meetings between like, me and Charles Gray, who's our lead content designer, and Al Rivera, and um, one of our producers, sitting down and figuring out what is the story of this sphere, what's going on, what is its connection to the Iconians, and all of that. And then you try to spin everything out from there. One of the other big changes that happened this season is that uh, the feds finally caught up to the Klingons and the Romulans in terms of their original story. You know, the boss stuff is the end game stuff, but we're taking it all the way back to the launch of the game and when mm -hmm. the first experience you get with your bridge officers. Uh, until season eight, players kind of made up their own story about uh, those those random digital beings that got slotted into their uh, bridge crew. But now right. you kind of go on a little journey with your boss, and you begin to build a relationship with them. You know, what, how, for you, what does that uh, what does that mean for you as a writer? One of the things we've had to do previously is we've had to make the bridge officers very middle of the road. Um, every time I try to make a bridge officer be funny or say a specific thing, I get a dozen emails and tweets about how I have an all Vulcan crew and my, my character or my bridge officers would never say that. And so we've had to keep the bridge officers very middle of the road. What we've done with like Tovan and Kagan and now Elisa Flores is we've started to develop personalities for these people and names and histories. And one of the things we need to do going forward is figure out, all right, how do we add these people? Um, and how do we how do we tell, keep telling their story as we tell the player's story? It's a little bit complicated. It's easier on the Romulan side because we know every Romulan player has a Tovan. Uh, it's a little more complicated on the Klingon and Federation sides because there is a chance you don't have a Kagan or an Elisa Flores. Um, so I'm still trying to ask for some tech things that make it a little more seamless. Like you know, if you don't have Elisa Flores, you know your male Andorian bridge officer doesn't start suddenly talking like her. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but going forward, it's, it's one of those things, and we get, we get that connection with the crew, and a lot of Star Trek, when you get down to it, is not necessarily about space fights and Klingons. It's about the connection and the relationships of the members of the bridge crew. This is something we can start to explore going forward. Now, the inclusion of telling a story with your bridge officers, mm -hmm. did that come from the introduction of new technology into Star Trek Online, 
or was it something you said, okay, I want to do this now? It was a combination of things. It was when we started talking about legacy of Romulus, we're like, okay, what can we do to make this different? What can we do to make this better? What can we do to to emphasize the Romulan experience? And one of the things that came out of those discussions was wanting a character to be that voice, to say the things, you know, about the Tal Shiar, to kind of help tell the story along the way. And so we started developing Tovan, and then we're like, okay, well, we need a bunch of tech to make him work. So, so we start developing the technology, and then we realize, okay, now that we've done that, we realize, okay, we need another, we need three more things to make this work really well. Um, so you, that's a lot of development. You you come up with a good idea. I mean, and some of our original pitch meetings are insane. There's, you know, points where somebody's like, can we make a, you know, Voltron entirely out of triples? Um, <laughs> Oh, that would that would sell the C store. Oh, yeah. get that to the C store. Yeah, uh, and then you know you start with that crazy idea, and then somebody goes, "Hey, wait a minute, I think I know how this could work," and then you start refining it down from there. You know, it was one of those things was, you know, somebody said, hey, could we do a Mass Effect-like character? And I'm like, well, no, not right now, but if we had this, maybe we could. Always getting things, extra little tools to tell the story is always a good thing. I was so thrilled that last year I got the ability to call out dialogue by species, and it makes me so happy. And that's one thing we need to go back and do more of. So, and so yeah. it basically, it'll 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 figure out what species your bridge officer is, and then latch on a, a, an appropriate response based on that. Right. It, well, and, and what species the player is. I didn't. I oh, had no oh, way to tell wow. that. Yeah. Wow. And I, for a long time, I had no way to tell the gender of the player, which is why um, you, in Night of the Comet, you have. It was. I had to write all of Scotty's dialogue and never use the words lad or lassie. <laughs> oh man! Talk about handicapping yourself. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you go back there and change it so it's like lad, la, lassie, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually it's it's on my list if I ever have some free time to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of telling stories in different ways, uh, we know that there's more development for the gateway coming. And we yeah. had a question from Twitter asking, are you guys planning to use the Stowe gateway app or you know, any mobile app to move the storyline along? Or is that just going to be confined to the, uh, the game, the full game? Yeah. You know, I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, we have a we have a gateway team that has been working on Neverwinter um, with Sword Coast Adventures, and I think they will be moving over to Trek to help us out. Um, I think any major advancements in the story are going to be in game. It's sort of like the writing that we do for Star Trek Magazine is great, and I love the opportunity that Star Trek Magazine has given us to advance the story of the Enterprise F crew. But we're never going to do a major development in that in that magazine, just because we don't know that you know. Ultimately, when you get right down to it, Star Trek Online is the player's story. Is this? It is the story of your character. You are the star of it. And so when things happen, they should happen when you are there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're not remote controlling like like right. DOFs. You know, you're not sending the the DOF, You know, you're sending the DOFs out to do it for you. Uh, yeah. you need to be involved. Yeah, we're, in that. we're never going to have a, like a, a gateway and go. Oh, and by the way, Iconians invaded. You know. Oh well, I mean Sorry. that'll teach you from getting. That'll teach you to get out of your command chair, right? Yeah. So you stay you stay logged into the game. Maybe you yeah. should talk to Al about this. Yeah, so we, maybe maybe we, things we, should happen while you're away, so it'll yeah. get you back in the game, so you buy more things at the C store. You really yeah. ought to, yeah. Yeah. When right. when you went to the replicator, you know, the first Federation came back and gave everybody Tranya. I I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back just a quick moment and uh, about season eight and writing uh, Worf into season eight. If yeah. I understand correctly, Worf was going to be in that. And that's where we are, no matter no matter what, right? When we had we originally were kicking around, who do we want in this story arc? And we came up with two or three people, and Worf was by far the number one choice. And so we started writing it for Worf, and we got to a point where we were like, Worf's in this episode, whether or not we have the voice. Um, we were not going to ever like use a sound alike. We will we won't do that with canon characters um, just because you know it, it seems kind of cheesy 
you know, you guys, when, when you want to hear voice Worf talk, you, you want to hear him talk. You don't want to hear some guy who thinks he sounds like him. What if it's Brent Spiner doing Patrick Stewart? Oh, I, if, I do that. If I could get Brent Spiner to do Patrick Stewart, I, I think I might. I, I might accept that one. Yeah, okay. We we actually have a voice actor, John St. John, who's also the voice of Duke Nukem, but he's done several parts for us. And uh, he does a fabulous Picard. Just absolutely fabulous. But no, we'll, we'll never do it. It's not the same. Yeah, John St. John, was that Elbasek? Uh, no, uh, Ovasek is a uh, guy named Eric Newsom who is oh, out of right. okay, yeah. yeah, he's out of Portland. He's been on Grimm. I think he's been on Portlandia. He's been on several things. Um, at that point, we were kind of locked down, and we were like, okay, this is this is the story. Because one of the things we had done when we had decided we wanted to try to get Michael Doran was we were like, all right, well let's let's make this a work story. Let's make this something he's connected to. And that's why when we started getting much more into schisms the tng episode and uh linking that to what was going on so at that point you know you're never going to pull out you know pull out wharf and put in bob who used to be on the enterprise it, it just wouldn't work um but like with the anniversary episode uh that we're working on right now um we did have we have had two plans on what happens <laughs> So, and it looks like oh. we're, we have chosen a plan, and it is, and it is moving forward. But uh. I, I anything about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. Tease us like that, and then say, yeah. "Okay, I've said it. I've said too much already." I'm sorry. Specifically, I was told not to say anything about that before I came. Elijah, in. Elijah we got to start getting to these people before Al does. Oh, <laughs> ruining everything. It was, it was our affair, wasn't it? Al did it, didn't he? He it told was you. Absolutely. Al. God, <laughs> that guy ruins all our fun. He reminds us that we're under NDA. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to find some sort of bribery that works for you guys. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Captain well, There's this thing. I kind of love my job. And I know. Oh, so I'd like to keep it. <laughs> uh, yes, you, you get you get to you get to contribute to the Star Trek, uh, and so I, yeah. I don't think I, the money rewards baubles and trinkets mean nothing to you people. I, I understand. Play in one of the best sandboxes there is. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that a second. You mentioned earlier that uh, you were in journalism. How how was that transition going from journalism and then into writing for Star Trek? You know, because you are writing for Trek. It was a really, it was a little bit of a reality shift. I, you know, um, there is a specific mindset you get into in journalism, especially some of the stuff that I was doing for a long time. I was um, a title, nation editor, which meant that I uh, handled uh, wire services and all the major events and 9-11 and all those different things. And one of the cool things is not being depressed by my job when I go home at night, being excited by it. Um, but this is where I get to turn on all that creative stuff I pretty much had to shove down and put in the background of my mind for a decade <laughs> and just do on weekends. I, I get to do it, you know, full time now and they pay me, so it's pretty awesome. And now, <laughs> you, had, you had been a fan of Star Trek uh, literature before jumping into yep. this? Mm -hmm. I had been. I came. I came to my nerddom late when I met John or Cryptic Frost, who is who's now my husband. He realized I'd never seen Star Wars or Star Trek or anything like that, and he decided he had to rectify this quickly. So he had to educate you. Yes, he had to educate yeah. me. And yeah, if we're going to hang together. You need to know some things. And when he started showing me the stuff, I realized everything I'd been missing up to that point because I grew up in a little tiny town in Indiana where you know nobody watched sci-fi nobody talked about Star Trek and nobody did these kinds of things and it's like wow there's this whole world out here that I was just completely passing me by so I just jumped right into it and and sad story the very first episode of Star Trek I saw was the only one that John could find at the video store um, so it was Spock's brain no well, <laughs> hey bonus points for you for sticking with it yes but we, but we watched a lot more stuff like very soon after okay good Get the, yeah, watch that taste out oh, yeah. uh, Captain Revo asks what Trek species unfinished or untold story are you itching to write about I know somebody wants me to say right Jillian. Um, <laughs> but you're not. Yes. Uh, I have always wanted to get into the Tenskathi. 
I think I'm actually yeah. Gonna- but there's so much to do there. They've been seen on screen, but never, or but they've been talked about on, but never, never seen, seen on screen. And I know the novels have gotten into them a little bit, but there's so there's so much we can get into. I want to do the Herc. The Herc are the only race that has ever conquered the Klingons. Hmm? What the heck? Yeah. What space people like? <laughs> you know. Right, um, so it's two. Yeah. I have a feeling there's a long list. Go ahead. There's a really long list. One of the things I've I've liked, wanted to do, and we have not had as much of an opportunity to do, because let's face it, you know, we are, we're making a video game, and it's a different style of writing than it is for a TV show or a novel or short story or anything else. Um, to do those stories that dig into the backgrounds of species, we got to do it a little bit in Legacy of Romulus, but my favorite Star Trek novels are like the Rahansu series by Diane Duane and Spock's World and the world oh, of Death Nine and the ones that really dig into what these species are like, what their lives are like, what how are they different from humanity. Um, those are really cool. Yeah. There's a bit in Spock's brain that stuck with me for forever. I read it when I was a teenager, and it was the part where... Th- uh, McCoy is translating the worst word in Vulcan, and it comes out as neighbor. Yes. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, that kind of gives you a flavor for that sort of not-so-friendly past the Vulcans used to have. Yeah, but anything that makes things more real and not just, okay, these are the guys with the bumpy foreheads as opposed yeah. to people with the bumpy noses and the earrings. <laughs> anything that makes them, you know, more alive. Is, is what I really like getting into. It's like, um, of Bejor, I loved writing the books um, that you read. I, I was so happy I got the time to do that. What happened was I was here when almost everybody else was gone, had left for Christmas vacation. So I just had a period of time, completely interrupted, uninterrupted time where I could write lore and didn't have to worry about anything else. So that's where those came from. <laughs> I remember probably it might have been in a in a Blu-ray featurette, and I think I, I remember listening to Rick Berman or one of the writers from Star Trek talk about how it got to the point with Star Trek that they would try to write an episode. I think this was for Enterprise, uh, and if not Enterprise, the end of um, Voyager, where they would try to write something and then be like, "Oh no, we can't do that because we already established that in episode something something they, the science just doesn't allow it." Do you ever find yourself caught in that because there's so much legacy in Star Trek there's so many stories that have been told do you find ever that there's there's something that kind of you want to write and then you go oh no I can't because episode 147 they said no it, it happens all the time and it even happens with our you know with our within STO we we come up with an idea and then go oh wait past 24 and 9 co- contradicts that or oh wait well we already established X in this episode um, but also on one of the DVD um, special features that I think there was a commentary track by Nicholas Meyer and he was talking about how limitations cause creativity Oh yeah, and, you know when you find something like that, and we will go, okay, we can't do that. Nine, you know, eight or nine times out of ten, we'll come up with a better idea. <laughs> yeah, there's a film called The Five Restrictions, and it's this weird art film that my wife made me yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you go, you know, it, it, you you can do your best work if someone puts you in a tiny box and says, right. "Think your way out of that." Mm-hmm. You can either be constrained and complain about the, you know, almost fifty years of legacy you have with Star Trek or you can embrace it and make it part of your story. Or completely throw it out and add lens flare. Yeah. (laughs) That's one way to do it. That's option three. (laughs) So we do have um, I I do have one question that just popped into my head. So Worf hints at the idea of the Klingon and Federation War coming to an end, and Alrivera has acknowledged that that was hinted at. What is your take? What can you say about the future of the, the war between the Federation and Klingon peoples? I can say that you will see advancements in what is going on in the political situation of the Alpha Quadrant in 2014. 
but also it is one of those things a lot of these things are cyclical and you know the Klingons and the Federation were at odds and TOS and then they established alliance and then it broke up again and they had a war in DF space nine but then you know faced with a greater threat they got you know they realized you know we need to work together um, that is one of the greatest fears that the enemies of the Alpha Quadrant have is when these species decide to work together because you know, look at the Dominion War, for an example. You know, when the Romulans and the Klingons and the Federation decided to work together, the Dominion didn't last much longer. I cannot really say what's going to happen. And in fact, I've probably already said too much. <laughs> I think that you have uh, you've towed the line quite nicely. Yeah. And I'm, I yeah. think of the I think of the phrase from Battlestar Galactica. It was it has all happened before and it will happen again kind of deal. <laughs> Nothing ever happens exactly as it did before. Yes, it all happens a little bit differently each yeah. time. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we can all get behind the idea of a cyclical, repeating historical pattern mm-hmm. that was clearly established in the series of, of Star Trek on TV and in the films that uh, a nice legacy, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to, to continue on in the game itself, I think would be highly appropriate. Yeah, and that's one of the things we've actually, I've been thinking about since before, I mean, way, way before pre-Alpha and STO. I mean, one of the very first meetings we had when I wasn't even on the project yet, we started talking about the Iconium. And then we were like, okay, well, what would have to happen? You know, and then we started laying the groundwork there, which is, wow five and a half years ago at this point. So <laughs> my how the time flies. Yeah. Wow. Well mm-hmm. uh just we just and speaking of, you know, the long histories and, and, and longtime fans, uh mm-hmm. gamers and, and diehard fans of the franchise can be yeah, it's, yeah uh, verbal. It can mm-hmm. be um direct. Yeah, choose the adjective that you will. Yeah. Um the the forthright with their opinions about um mm-hmm other people's interpretations and storytelling in Star Trek. Uh, I think a respectful way to put this would be, as Hayden P. Jones did on Twitter, what kind of feedback that could players provide that would be useful to someone in your position about the story of Star Trek? You know, even negative feedback can be useful as long as it's got something to say. If someone says... I didn't like that story because of X, Y, and Z, or I didn't like that story because I think it contradicts what happened in DS9, or I just didn't like that story, that's fine. I get something useful out of that. If you say, I loved that story and here's why I get something useful out of it, what we don't get anything useful out of is, rawr, rage face, worst game ever. You know? Okay, well, yeah. Doesn't seem to have a lot of information there. Yeah, there's no information there. There's nothing for us to to hang on to and go, okay, well, what are we doing wrong? Well, apparently we made somebody really angry and we don't know why. Um, <laughs> yeah, hard to fix it. But, yeah, Will Wheaton actually had on his blog very recently, um, there's a really good post, and I suggest people go and find it, about how not everyone is going to like what you do and that's okay. And um, I, I, I really liked that one. <laughs> Good advice yeah. to take always. Mm-hmm. All right, Christine. So this is the part of the interview where we open up the mic and we perhaps ask you, what are you currently working on and what's down the road that you can share with us uh, in terms of the future of Star Trek Online, uh, you know, the, the movement from 2409 and onward? Um, what's down the pipe? Um, we right now we are working on the anniversary event, um, which will also which will have a featured episode with it. Uh, in fact, we were just playtesting that featured episode, um, and we are also simultaneously working on season nine, um, which is going to have some more advancements to the storyline and what's going on. Um, and we are laying the groundwork for. Um, what comes after that? What what is going on for the rest of the year? Um, so we're doing some concepts and some research and, and such like that to try to decide exactly what we're doing for the rest of the year. Any any episodes that you recommend anybody watch? Um, any episodes I recommend people watch? Um, 
Spock's this brain, maybe? Be, this would be a good time to watch Relics. Um, oh, yeah. This would be a good time to um, maybe watch uh, some deep, or some uh, Star Trek Voyager. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, those, those are two I could definitely give you. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, Al already gave us relics. And yeah. We've already got the sphere, so that was yeah. you know already there. But mm-hmm. so some some Voyager. Any seasons? Any, um, any seasons to us? A group of seasons, maybe early Voyager, late Voyager. I would say more, actually, more early to mid Voyager. Not the Borg all the time in the Voyager. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'll ignore the Kazon like I always have. Yes. Okay, good. good. Now, now, Christine, you are our last dev interview for the year. What is it in 2013 that you are most proud of? Um, Legacy of Romulus told a really fabulous story, and it told a very personal story for a player. And that was, we got to do some things in that expansion that I had always wanted to do. Um, And, you know, the Kittimer episode, I, I think, came out. The stuff with Sela. I'm really, really proud of getting to work with Denise Crosby and Michael Dorn, getting them both in the game. That was a long-term goal for us. Um, and, you know, Seal's story is obviously not over. So that's something we have to revisit. Um, those, those are the big things. Um, it, it, it's been a good year. It's, it's, we've done some, you know, it, I, there's nothing I can look back and go, man, that didn't work out. The way I wanted it to. Um, I have a new favorite episode out of this year, which is Temporal Ambassador. Um, so it, that's a good year. Nothing better to be said. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I mean, we. Well, I'm not going to say nothing bad. I mean, there, we can always do better. There's no such thing as perfection. You know, we're, there's. We can always do better. We can always make things better. And in fact, you know, one of the things we're doing right now is like season eight. We had the tutorial, uh, the the new Federation tutorial, because we looked at the one that was there and said, "Look, this just is not up to the quality that we expect now. So let's make it better." Um, you know, that's something we've got to keep doing. We've got to keep looking at what's there and see what we can make better and what we just need to say goodnight to. That Federation tutorial was some amazing writing. I mean, it, it really <laughs> felt like I was part of an episode of Star Trek. And the more and more that Star Trek Online develops, the more and more I'm feeling that. And I almost, you know, I kind of <laughs> think back and go, oh, I, I, I really wish I would have had this. I would have loved to have had this character with me from the beginning, you know? Um, because, like, for me, I'm, I like to RP a little bit. But I don't have a backstory to my bridge officers. I'm just like, all right, who, who's got what? All right, load them. But this tutorial was just so amazing. You know, great job, amazing job with it, really. Thank you. And I'm going to give major, major props to Matt Miller, who was the designer of the new tutorial. He did a fabulous, fabulous job on it. I actually, because of the stuff I was doing, it's of the sphere of influence, and season eight came in on the very end, and that was just so, so good. You know, the the art team, Matt, everybody with that just did an amazing job. Well, Christine, again, thank you so very much for joining us uh, this episode here on Priority One. We hope you'll join us again in, in 2014 as the story progresses. We're really looking forward to it. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays to everyone listening. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. All right, Captains, let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Santa Skyrat writes in, Omega, Team Ambush Field. I have been making them for my bridge officers on 16 tunes. That's five sets times 16. Yep, I'm pissed. What about crits? Do they still stack? I don't know about the crits. I don't. I, I seriously doubt they still stack. I think the whole idea of removing the team stack on the sets was that you wouldn't have to get 80 sets of armor. For all your tunes. I think that was what they were trying to dissuade people from doing. I'm really sorry to hear that you've grinded out 80 sets of Mark 12 Omega ground gear. But, um, yeah, doesn't, doesn't stack anymore. I, I think you can get, like, 50,000 ECs from, though, or something good at the trash vendor guy. I, maybe. I hope. Sorry! Okami87 writes, I had been enjoying Fire at Will, but I don't think the fix to this system will deter me using it. 
As for the flanking bonus mechanic, I'm sure I'll enjoy it on my Federation tactical character, but I doubt it will affect my gameplay much on my main characters. I sport engineers that have yet to have a problem keeping the hole up and don't feel Birds of Prey getting an 11% damage bonus in PvP will be significant enough to warrant a change in game strategy. Only time can tell, though. Live long and podcast. Well, we hear from Azurian Star talking about Star Citizen. All I will say is that it's a game that many people wanted Star Trek Online to be a long time ago. I can see it stealing some thunder. I, for one, am looking at moving there when it's live. Hmm. There's this thing that we're doing at Party on Podcast. We're going to do this show called Hard Frequency. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's going to be some really awesome guys hosting it. You might want to check it out. It's totally going to be cool. As Arian Star goes on to say, Winter event, more grind, less fun, plus annoying voiceovers. Yes, yes. Sean Newboy writes, I love the new Raider dynamics. They needed something. I can't wait to play with my new plesh breck. Great show, everyone. Elliot, the weather has been bad here, too. High to mid-60s at night. Very hard to relax on the patio with no shirt on at midnight. In other words, I do not miss Southwest Michigan. And over on Facebook, we hear from Ray Borg. The gingerbread colony event is hard. Anyone got any tips to defeat the boss? He always gets his health back up too fast. Well, you should go by one of those snowblower things. I kind of like the fun names they have for all the different snow guns this year. Flurry and Avalanche and stuff. Oh, clever. We've got the next one coming in from Jay Simmons. And he's got a little bit of beef with the new winter event. The Winter Grindfest is insane joy. Could have fooled me. Proof nobody at the company cares what the players say. I must be a glutton for punishment because I keep going back for the costumes and the ship. You, that's, yes, you're doing exactly what they want. So if you didn't like the system, don't play it. And then it won't show up in their data and they won't do it anymore. But I think it's fun. I like the winner thing. It's just, it's kind of goofy. Again, it's one of those gameplay things versus Star Trek things that... I, I, I like this. It's, it, it is a game. It's supposed to be fun. It's Christmas time. You know, it, I, I think, and, they, and they've, they've, they've tied it to Star Trek with Q. Q is always so random. I mean, Robin Hood, seriously, Robin Hood. And it was, you know, the, the thing, too, is that I know that a lot of players were um, upset because the, uh, it launched with quite a few bugs, enough bugs that I saw the dev tracker kind of lighting up like a Christmas tree. My Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, and it seems that a lot of that got remedied, at least in December 12th's patch notes. Well, and that's the thing. You know, they, they, they take chances with stuff. You, you try things out, and, you know, you're not going to get it 100% right all the time. But, yeah, I... I, that's what Cryptic is a game company, and they want things that are sort of and, and a little silly sometimes. I, I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Merry Christmas, everybody. Lighten up. Merry Christmas. Every week we get new followers, and only 45% of them are NSA bots. Thanks to everyone who's jumped on the Priority One social media train, and be sure to retweet and favorite our tweets. Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so let us know what you think of the show, or submit your responses to our community questions in the in the comment section for this episode, or on the official Star Trek Online forum post. Now, we're introducing a new way for you to leave feedback as well. You can call us and leave us a message. Give us a call at 609-619-0834. Standard calling rates apply. But you can do it for free by using our SpeakPipe widget, or you can use your onboard built-in microphone or headset. Uh, Just record a short MP3 and email it to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 153, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, every Thursday night we are live, recording on Trek Radio, starting at about 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 p.m. Central, and 8.30 p.m. Mountain, because there are people that live there, too. As you know, Captains, we love hearing from you, our listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or topic for any of our segments or you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at StowPriorityOne. PriorityOne is brought to you by the generous donations of listeners like you. 
please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a special thanks to everyone who has contributed and continues to do so. You can donate uh, with our donate widget through PayPal, or you can shop in our store. We do get a kickback for purchases made in our store. Also, don't forget to support a friend of Priority One. Check out Splatter Studios' Trek-inspired canvas art by visiting their Etsy store. Links, of course, as always, will be in the show notes. A very special thanks to Star Trek Online's lead writer, Christine Kestrel-Thompson. Thank you for chatting with us about the storyline moving Star Trek Online forward. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com, including our audio engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. A special thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. And most importantly, a very special thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. what i'm thinking you know i remember when there was a time when love was blind and the song of wine untasted. and elijah knew have, the words to songs he decided to sing yeah i have lame is in my head sorry anyway okay. drinking water that's delicious it's good and good for you okay ios devices everywhere but not android <coughs> We have several new articles. <laughs> Guess who didn't check the articles? <laughs> you. <laughs> so Cap- this is Cap- this is. Do I, do I need to make good radio while you go check out? Okay, the I got it. I know what it is. It's uh, okay. it's uh, the latest in development. Captains, don't forget that Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. In their latest edition of In Development. Kate. The writers who names you forgot. Yeah, no, no. I just I want to no because I want I didn't know who, I don't know who wrote it, if it was L or if it was all of them. Oh, okay. So you should go check that. I'm I'm checking. Okay, good. So I'll make good radio while you go check that, like I suggested you do before you started doing this. I no, I got, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. In their latest edition of In Development, the girls behind. Ah, you see, this is what happens when I don't write. We're taking. That's music. right. Go, you know what? Make a make good radio. Okay, this is where I make good radio, friends. Have you considered donating to PriorityOnePodcast.com? That's right. I'm going to redo the usual stuff we do while Elijah I'm just gonna looks play at music. the webpage. I'm going to take a musical break. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Gonzalez's article, it's hard to say Gonzalez. To quote Gonzalez's <laughs> A Cuban article, guy that can't say Gonzalez. <laughs> to quote Gonzalez's article. There we go. I said it, I said it well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just go native, man. Do it, man. Spanish is in your blood. Do it. To quote Consolisa article, many of the earlier MMOs had built-in downtime for the multiple reasons. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. You do kept, so well. It so kept beautiful. people playing together. Okay? Together as a family? Technoli- technological so, limitation. Very good. It's very, very it made good. made the world feel larger. Okay? <laughs> but for whatever the reason existed, it helped generate this sense of community. Okay. To quote Gonzalez's article, many of the earlier, to quote Gonzalez's Gonzalez, I, you know, to me it sounds like that guy, and although yes, it, it just replays and replays and replays, I'm pretty sure it's Jesse Mike. It sounds a <laughs> lot like Jesse Mike. <laughs> you know what, I just, uh, now that you say that, I'm imagining working in a cubicle next to him. <laughs> And probably, like, you know, like, trying not to choke him. No, I've... Hey, I've just got an email! Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Jesse, he's pretty stop. quiet. He seemed, I mean, I at least in the we saw we saw him in Vegas. Man. He was a pretty quiet guy. Yeah, you know, we saw he's, him a, he's very quiet. Uh, he's a very quiet guy. So it's it's fun to hear him <laughs> screaming out at the top of his lungs. You know, <laughs> there's something happening. And every week we get new followers, and we're pretty sure that just about all of them are actual real people who listen to we the show. We said the joke yesterday. New joke. New joke Last yesterday? Week. Last week? We. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. See, so we need a new joke here. Okay, so Elijah, make good radio. I think of a new joke. Valjean, at last, we see each other plain. Monsieur. I'm sorry. Oh, guys, I didn't tell you. I got. Well, I don't know. If, I, I haven't made it public, except at least on Twitter. Uh, but I got cast in. Uh, in a local production of Les Mis playing Javert for theater aficionados. Um, do you get to wear a fancy coat? I do get to wear a fancy coat. Yes. Probably a fancy. I'll probably have a nightstick too. Oh, how about a hat? Probably a hat too. Yeah, probably. I'll have a hat. Too. Yes. As long as you have a hat, you're in business. But uh, but yeah, I'm, there may be a few episodes throughout January, February, March that I will not be around. So, uh, we shall we shall carry we shall carry your burden for you as you uh, perform theater. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and we're clearly up way past your bedtime, Inclu- including our audio, <laughs> <laughs> including the audio in your skiffy. We'll have to edit <laughs> Elijah thanking him, including yes. our our. our <laughs>